So not too long ago, I held this workshop at WPPI where I gave my top 30 creative strategies to get photography clients as fast as possible without paid ads. And it killed it. It sold out. It was incredible. I've been sitting on it for a little while and I've decided to bring it back, to bring it back and to give it directly to you. You don't have to go anywhere. You don't have to pay anything either. I just want to help you grow your business each day for three days. I'm going to share with you 10 ultra unique creative ways to attract dream clients to your photography business without spending a bunch of money. I'm calling this thing the three day client blitz and it is pure gold for three days. I'm going to give you so many creative ideas to get clients in your business right now. Just go to sixfigurephotography.com forward slash blitz six S I X six figure your photography.com forward slash blitz b l i t z i can't wait to give you some incredible ideas you're listening to the six figure photography podcast where we teach you how to grow your photography business if you need the show notes or want to check out the latest blog post visit sixfigurephotography.com now here's your host ben hartley Hey guys, it's Ben Hartley here with Six Figure Photography, and today we are going to be talking with Heidi Thompson from Evolve Your Wedding. Before we do that, let's tell you who's uh, supported today's episode. First off is the Photo Booth Supply Company. I'm always harping about Photo Booths, you guys, because they are so profitable for your business. The Photo Booth Supply Company makes one of the most uh, compact, easy to use, uh, and, and just hands down the best photo booth uh, that I've ever seen. Uh, we've been running it for the last two years, and it has just skyrocketed our profits. Our clients love it. And again, being wedding photographers, we have first access to our couples to, to offer them this amazing product. Uh, check out North. the Check out more at the bottom uh, with the show notes. As well, today's episode is supported by Fundy Designer. Fundy, uh, apart from just being an amazing software, has an amazing team of people. What Fundy Designer does is it allows us to design beautiful, uh, non-template-based custom albums for our clients in in just fraction of a time. Like I'm talking minutes here. Uh, we can design a hundred page album in like 10, 15 minutes and we can design that album, proof it to our clients and sell to them all within the same system. It's the only album designing software out there that doesn't use templates. It's hands down one of the most uh, critical pieces of software for our company. All right, we're going to be talking with Heidi Thompson. Heidi is CEO of EvolveYourWeddingBusiness.com. I, I made special note to say CEO because it's what we're talking about today. Heidi is a specialist in regards to changing the way that you think about your wedding business, to be thinking about it as a CEO rather than just working in your business all the time. An absolute expert at marketing, at sales, at business. She has her own podcast that we're going to drop in the show notes. You guys, I'm so excited to connect with Heidi Thompson. Let's jump right in. Hello, Heidi. Welcome to the Six Figure Photography Podcast and welcome everybody else. We are sitting here with Heidi Thompson of Evolve Your Wedding and we are going to, uh, we're going to hear from her on, on becoming CEOs of our business, getting rid of this idea of, of the starving artist mentality. And, and I'm excited about it. I cannot wait. Heidi, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited. Ooh. So Heidi, tell us a little bit more about yourself and a little bit more about Evolve Your Wedding. 
Sure. So I started this business, which is completely focused on helping wedding professionals with business strategy and marketing. Uh, a couple of years ago, after I had been running an alternative wedding fair in London, where I was living, and I noticed that there were every one of my exhibitors was so amazing. What they offered was so just unique and wonderful, but they didn't seem to have the marketing and business know-how to actually make the sales and earn the amount of money that they needed to be earning. So I ended up coaching them a lot, and that's what led me to kind of connect seeing the world of working in marketing, an area where I'm a huge geek, mm -hmm. and bringing that together with helping wedding professionals. And the reason why I named my business Evolve Your Wedding Business is because I really believe that it is a constant evolution, and that's what we're going to be talking about today. Very cool. I think what you're, what you're talking about, what you discovered is so true. I mean, even for myself to kind of take this step of being a, a craftsman, right? Being an artist, someone who is good at his craft. Uh, and I think so many of us photographers fall in this category, and yet we don't really know how to grow the business, right? We know how to yes. like, continue to grow our photography, but then how do we actually take that and market ourselves and, and, and build a profitable, sustainable you know, business? So that's awesome. We, we need more people like you in the world, Heidi. <laughs> <laughs> So I guess I want to jump right in then. And you've been talking a little bit about this on your blog and on your own podcast. And I've, I've just been super excited to dig in and ask you these type of questions. But um, what is the big difference between um, being a photographer who's a CEO of his uh, of his photography business versus a photographer who is a photographer in the photography business. Can we begin to kind of unpack this idea um, that you have about actually stepping into the role of CEO? Yeah. So the way I have kind of broken it down for people to think about is thinking about it as an evolution, as a roadmap, because, you know, you don't start as the CEO overnight. I mean, you can obviously fast track that process by learning things, but, you know, we all have to learn things and grow. But that first period I call, you know, like the wedding professional and they're in love with the creative work they do. It comes natural business. Things are kind of a pain and a lot of people in that phase have the build it and they will come mindset that really ends up shooting themselves in the foot because that only works in Field of Dreams and <laughs> Wayne's World too. <laughs> yes. So the difference here is the mindset. So when you're in this phase, you're kind of seeing it as your job as opposed to you're running a business, you're the captain of the ship. Mm. And everything that you know, you want that's appealing about running your business, the freedom, the flexibility has to come with that mindset shift. And it sounds small, but it's huge because there's more to running a photography business than the photography. There has to be the smart and strategic side as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the things that a lot of us feel like is it's either one or the other for us, you know, like uh -huh. being a CEO of the company, does that mean like I can't be 
be in the creative end of things. And so how do you, how do you recommend that we end up taking on, you know, each of those roles and is it possible? Yeah, it is completely possible. And I think a lot of people are fearful of that and see that as, uh, you know, it's an either or, but it certainly doesn't have to be. And something that I encourage people to do is, and I learned this from uh, Chase Reeves at Fizzle, is to break your work down into CEO work and worker bee work. Hmm. So worker bee work is like editing your photos, you're scheduling your social media updates. Your CEO work is actually being strategic. What are my goals? Where am I going? How am I doing? Because a lot of people don't do that check-in and you find yourself working towards something completely different that you didn't even, you know, want to get to. And, you know, just that high level stuff, but you have to separate it in your schedule because it uses two different kind of ways of thinking. Yeah. So I feel like when you're, when you're describing those two different mentalities, describe them again. You said the word was uh, worker bee tasks. And then what was the other one? And CEO tasks. CEO tasks. So to me, that kind of, uh, I interpret that and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but CEO task is like working, um, on your business. Yeah. And then it seems like worker bee tasks, the kind of like keeping busy kind of stuff is working in your business. Is that accurate? Yeah, and some of the things that uh, kind of fall into worker bee can be on your business. Like if you decide you're going to um, do a 30-day Instagram challenge, <laughs> the worker bee thing would be go create 30 images. Okay, un- unpack that just for a second. You said if you're creating a 30-day, th- a let's say, Instagram challenge or something like that, the worker bee task would be to go and make the 30 images. So then what would the CEO task be? So the CEO tasks are things like, why am I doing this? What is the goal? How am I going to measure it? What is this going to get me? And what role is it playing in kind of the overall plan of where I want to be in a year and five years? Yeah, absolutely. So I guess I feel like, and I always am wrestling with this. I'm always having to fight against just focusing on like these kind of worker bee tendencies. Why is it? Do you feel like that we always uh, are just trying to like keep ourselves occupied and just kind of like staying busy? Like, do you have any kind of, <laughs> do you have any kind of like, uh, oh gosh, what's the word? Um, a diagnosis, <laughs> right? <laughs> For why, why do we do this with ourselves? I, I find myself like uh, in a given week, you know, I just, uh, I just find myself trying to keep busy, busy, busy. And at the end of the week, I'm like, what did I, like, what did I do? I still don't have any clients, you know, like, yeah. uh, why do we do that to ourselves? Yeah, I think it's part cultural and part psychological. So in the West, for sure, um, aside from some European countries that are much more relaxed, there's this glorification of busyness. And if you're busy, you're successful. But that isn't always the case. I mean, you could be real busy being ineffective, you know, digging a ditch with a teaspoon, but it doesn't mean you're getting anywhere. And then from the psychological perspective, I think it's probably the same thing at work that prevents a lot of people from doing long-term things like planning for retirement is our brains are just not evolved that well for longer term thinking. So it definitely requires a lot of effort and training 
on your part to really get yourself to do that because the tendency, you know, the natural tendency is to just do what's in front of you. For sure. And it feels, it feels safe when we do that. You know, like it feels like, Oh good. I did something today. It wasn't, it wasn't too crazy. I didn't, um, I didn't do anything that could have resulted, uh, you know, in a letdown. I kind of stayed average. (laughs) (laughs) You know, like it reminds me of, um, uh, one of Seth Godin's books, uh, Lynchpin. And he talks about like our lizard brain and how our lizard brain just wants us to, to be average and Uh stay okay and stay safe. And as long as I just keep answering emails, you know, I'm going to be all right and not putting ourselves out there. So like, do you have any recommendations then for how, how we kind of break through the mundane and start getting our minds to focus on these CEO tasks that really will shape our future and result in our success? Well, the first thing is separating them because you cannot be trying to think through things from a high level while you're doing the granular stuff. It's not going to work. It's going to frustrate you and you're probably just going to get annoyed with it and stop doing it. So the best thing to do is just schedule time into your calendar. Make an appointment with yourself as if you are making it with another person to actually kind of have a CEO date with yourself and go through things. Look at what the relevant metrics are for you. How many inquiries did you get this week or this month? Uh, How many of them turned into weddings? If you look at your Google Analytics, where's your traffic coming from? Maybe you shouldn't spend your time in places that you're not getting traffic from. And actually going through and kind of doing that checkup on yourself. And it can be, you know, once a week if you want. It can be once a month. But you want to be able to stop and take the pulse. And you're not going to do that unless you schedule it. Yeah, absolutely. So I think a lot of our audience now is is hearing this. They're hearing the idea that, okay, uh, in order to focus on these CEO tasks, I have to carve out the time. I have to schedule. I have to set aside this hour or two hours. But, um I think we kind of get frozen with just the, the, the daunting idea of like, well, I've scheduled out this time, you know, and now we're sitting here with ourselves and we just don't know what to do. Like, I understand that there's these CEO tasks. I understand I've got to start thinking about working on my business rather than just staying in it. But what practically can I do? And so I want to ask you, like, are there three things? Like, what do you think are like the top three things that maybe we should do to start right off the bat during that very first, you know, CEO time that we carve out for ourselves? What maybe three things or even just one thing should we be should we be trying to focus on uh for the for the very first time yes i'm a big fan of like processes and systems for things so i go through the same process every time i do this and i just have it in a a google drive spreadsheet and it's listed you know each of the things i need to fill in i go through i fill it in that way i don't have to reinvent what i'm doing every single time so i've already kind of assigned myself what is going to happen so i think going through and taking measurements looking at numbers is really helpful so actually seeing okay Maybe, you know, what is your most popular traffic source? And that, you know, can inform your worker bee time. If you're getting a ton of traffic from Facebook and none of the other social media networks, double down. Go all in on Facebook. You know, do more of what's working. Excuse me. And one of the other things I do, aside from numbers, to because I tend to 
always look ahead and I never really look at what I just completed. And it results in not really appreciating the progress I've made. Hmm. So one of the questions I have for myself in that spreadsheet is, what did I accomplish this week? And I put everything in that, you know, I accomplished, I'm proud of, I'm happy about. And that helps me because getting it out of my head and actually down somewhere makes me realize everything I actually did. Yeah. And, oh, go ahead, and you know, conversely, like if you don't have anything to put down, like, you know, it's not there to make you feel bad about yourself, but it's there to make you more aware of the reality of what's going on in your business. So maybe you need to focus on some different things for the next week. For sure. I actually just had a conversation with Jordan Harbinger. Um, he's, uh, runs a very successful podcast, the art of charm. And one of the things that we were talking about is just building, building our confidence and our self-esteem. And I think this task too, that you're talking about here of looking back on your week and what did you accomplish? I think it really helps to validate ourselves. It helps to build our own self-esteem and recognize like we've, we've made progress. We've done great things. These are the success points that we can kind of hold on to and build off of as we go into the following week. Um, um, and it does, it does help to build that like self-trust and validation as we gain confidence in our, in ourself and in our business. And anyhow, I just wanted to kind of tie those two together. Cause I love that. I think so often we get to the end of the week and we're just like, Oh, well, that was a waste. What did I do? I'm so, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. And you know, even just things like for what you accomplished, like if you get an amazing raving email from a customer who just sings your praises, yeah, put that in there. Like you want to pull all of the things together that went really well. And then the other thing I put in is not what didn't go well, but what could have gone better. Mm. So maybe it's something that you did and you thought it was going to take an hour and it took four hours. So how can you fix that in the future? So just looking at, you know, what didn't go so well and, you know, not dwelling on that, but looking at actually what you can do about it so that it doesn't continue to happen to you. Love it. That's awesome. So one of the things that I bet, uh, once again, I'm trying to think in terms of our audience here. And I, and so, you know, I think maybe probably half of our audience is, is getting completely stuck at the part of scheduling another thing for us to do. <laughs> you know, like so many of us we're we're already working another full-time job. We're trying to grow this photography business on the side of things, or maybe we've just, you know, dove in head first and we're working full-time in the photography business. And we just, you know, we're trying to edit, you know, we've got a backlog of like six weddings. We've got clients emailing us and calling us. And so do you have any recommendations for how do we actually carve out this time and, and maybe even like uh, tools or tips or suggestions that, that you would recommend we use to really take control of our time management? Absolutely. Yeah. I'm a huge fan of streamlining and making anything easier that you possibly can. So the first thing I recommend people do is actually track your time. And I would recommend doing this for at least a week. And it can be as simple as, you know, just writing this down on a piece of paper every day. What did you do? And how much time did you spend on it? Because you're probably going to realize that you're spending a lot of, a lot of time on things that don't matter. Just because, like we were just saying, because they're in front of you, because it's, oh, yeah, I need to do this. But you don't. 
you totally don't need to do that. <laughs> yeah. Come on. My Facebook status needed updated again. My, I only and, updated my profile picture twice yesterday. Yeah, That's true. You actually. don't realize that until you look at, you know, the number of hours in a week and you can extrapolate that to a month into a year. And it's like, geez, I cannot spend that kind of time doing stupid stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. So, um, tracking your time. Do you have any tools or, or, uh, that you would use as far apart from paper? I know that there's some applications that you can, um, even just like, uh, you know, throw on your computer that help to track it. Are you aware of any offhand? Um, there's one called freckle that I, I don't personally use any, but there's one called freckle that I've heard good things about. Uh, but there are a million different ones and I think it's, just, I mean, the best tool is the one you're going to use. Yeah, for sure. So it's finding the one that you like and that you like the way that it works and what it allows you to do. So I would just suggest playing around with a couple different free ones. Awesome. Cool. Yeah, I'll dig into it and I'll leave some of the show notes here for everyone to take yeah. a look at um, down at the bottom. Well, okay. So uh, one of the things that I think that maybe this is because we're artists or something, but we tend to have these very like self-limiting thoughts about our business. Um, we just have a hard time seeing ourselves as the like successful business owner, as the CEO. We, we constantly kind of feel like we're unqualified fight for that, you know, like, look, I take great pictures, but I don't know if I'm a CEO. And so what would you say to someone who's really struggling with that kind of that mindset to, to help them build their self-esteem in this CEO mindset? So I think a lot of people probably are over inflating the idea of CEO. You can be a CEO of a one person business, mm. <clears throat> excuse me. And, um, all that means is that you are looking at your business strategically. You are planning out, you know, where you want to be, what your goals are, as opposed to like when you have a job and you just show up and you do the work and you leave. And then the next day, you know, you do kind of the same thing. But when it comes to uh, the confidence side, something I actually do is I have a happy folder in my email. (laughs) And everything that comes in that's complimentary goes in the happy folder. I love it. And then when I'm feeling bad about myself, I go read it. (laughs) do you ever delete anything in the happy folder or is it just no of course not why would you oh my gosh i love that i want to start a happy folder that is fantastic um Okay, so you just said a soundbite that was amazing, and I just want to restate it again because it was so awesome. Um, you said you don't have to be like some large corporation to be a CEO. You can be a CEO of a one-man business, and that is just so true. I mean, you can be – like we need CEOs for ourselves. Like I can be my own CEO. You know, I can be my own boss. Um, you don't have to be like uh, this huge thing, and I think that's so powerful. So often I, I feel like we as photographers, we're just – like, well, it's just me. It's just, you know, it's just this thing that I do. It's not a big deal. And, uh, just to change the mentality, it can still just be you and, but you can do it right and you can do it really well and, and, and successfully. Yeah. And what CEO is, is really just, it's the difference. Like I said, it's the mindset difference between being a passenger on the ship and driving essentially, you know, you're in control of where you're going as opposed to when you're in a job and you're just in one of the seats. 
Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Okay, so uh, again, I've been listening to more of your, your, your blogs and podcasts. You've talked a little bit about this 80-20 rule, and I want to ask you a little bit more about this rule. What is the 80-20 rule, and how can we leverage it? Yeah, so the 80-20 rule is it's a, quite an old principle that kind of applies to everything, which is weird because <laughs> almost nothing applies to everything. But it's the idea that 80% of the results come from 20% of the effort. So really what that tells us is that not all tasks are created equal. There are going to be some things that you do in your business that more directly impact your sales and drive you towards where you want to be. And there are some things that are kind of really not going to do much at all for that. But if you can figure out what those tasks are and what I was alluding to earlier, a great way to do that is look at your Google Analytics. Where are people finding you? Stop spending time where people are not finding you. You don't have time for that. Mm. You know, double down on the places where they are coming to your site because it's already working for you. So like in regards, oh, go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to say, and that really does apply to just about everything in your business. Yeah. So I think uh, in regards to like social media, you know, yeah, we're on Facebook and we might be on Twitter or we might be on Instagram, but things just keep popping up. So is your recommendation then that like, look, I shouldn't go ahead and hop on Periscope and try to like grow my brand there. I should look at what's currently working with where I am at and focus on that. I think you can, you just have to do it strategically. So, uh, you know, making sure that you have a goal in mind, what are you trying to achieve here? Where are you trying to get people to go or what are you trying to get them to do? And I'm a big fan. I schedule blocks in my calendar for things. So that can be something that, you know, you schedule in that you do once a week. And then the important thing is, is to be sure that you're checking on it. Are you getting what you thought or what you wanted to get out of it? And, you know, there's certainly no shame in scaling back on something that isn't working for you. Yeah. So I, I want to ask you more about this. You said you're scheduling blocks on your calendar. What do you mean? So I like to batch things together. I put like tasks together. Yeah, me so, too. <laughs> yeah, it's great, isn't it? Yeah, until it gets you in trouble because you're like, well, I'm just going to save this for the next batch and it'll be like three yeah. weeks later. Um, and then the client's like, hey, and then I can't really explain to them, look, I had to push you to the next batch. It's batching. <laughs> it's batching. It's really great. <laughs> Anyhow, go ahead. Yeah, so you might be batching things for client work together. You might be batching things for marketing together. Um, I do blog posts together in batches because it helps you build momentum into what you're doing. And when you can do that work uninterrupted, you don't have context shifting, which is where you lose time because you're switching to a different task. Your brain has to catch up and get acclimated with what you're expecting it to do. 
And I've read studies that show that can be up to 23 minutes every time you contact switch. Yeah, it's huge. This is so powerful. So I have to tell this little story because it reminds me, I was an art major in college and uh, I actually graduated a degree in oil painting. Uh, woo, woo. That's awesome. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> um, but so I would, I would create these oil paintings and these hyper-realistic portraits. And one of the techniques that I did, these things would take like hundreds of hours to do. And one of the techniques I would do is I, I kind of came up with a really unique way to hold on to, um, a whole set of brushes, like, like it'd be like 12 brushes in one hand. And that hand would be the hand that would hold all the brushes in their place. And I would just know where all the colors were. And so with my right hand, I could just grab the brush and keep going. But if I ever had to stop and like put those 12 brushes down, it was like game over. Like in order to get back up to pace, get back up to speed and like start back into the same task that I was doing, like you just said, it would take like 20 minutes for me to get back into the rhythm of things. And so, you know, people would come over and, you know, I, I, I could talk to people, I could communicate, but if it ever came that I had to set down my, my left hand of brushes, I just, I would not do it. I refuse to do it because it would take me so long to get back into gear. And, uh, it's true. It's true within, you know, whether it be emailing or editing, calling through pictures, um, you know, your marketing, like batching those things saves massively on time. Awesome advice. Yeah. And if you're doing, you know, client meetings, anything like that, you may as well be out all day, one day Mm -hmm. and get it all done. And that's, you know, what you were just saying is the reason why I keep my email closed unless it's time for me to look at my email. Oh, that's so hard. That's so challenging. It's really hard. (laughs) Once you get into the rhythm of what you're doing, you kind of forget about it. Yeah. Yeah. Email is one of those things that, like you said, it's one of those like busy bee tasks. It just makes us feel good. It makes us feel like we're accomplishing things. And yet we lose so much time in our inboxes. We could do a whole podcast about our email inbox. Uh, We'll save that for a few episodes down the road. Okay. So uh, I've got a couple more questions here. I I already mentioned earlier uh, the Art of Charm podcast, Jordan Harbinger. Harbinger. I just uh, interviewed him. He is one of the leading coaches for like multi-million dollar CEOs and executives. Executives, and he and I were talking about how the quality of your work is one of the smallest factors in determining your price point. It really is. And so I guess, well, uh, that's what he and I were talking about. But I want to ask you, do you agree with that? Do you agree with the thought process that the quality of work, yes, it determines your price, but it's one of the smallest factors? What are your thoughts on that? I completely agree. Um you know, this is outside the industry, but just to show another thing that you probably come across every day. I was just listening to a podcast called Freakonomics mm-hmm. about, it was called How to Save a Billion Dollars Without Even Trying. And it was a study they did with experts in different fields, like seeing, okay, what kind of painkillers do pharmacists buy? What kind of salt and sugar and flour do chefs buy? And it was over 90% generic. And it's because like in medicine in basic stuff like that, it is the exact same ingredient. It's the brand that changes the price. Mm -hmm. The ingredients are no different at all. So very similar to what we're talking about. The quality is not any different. It's the exact same thing, different brand associated with it. So it's all, 
really how you want to position yourself in the market. If you want to be seen as high-end, mid-range, more budget option, it's also, and this is the most overlooked part of pricing, which it makes my head want to explode. <laughs> How much money do you want to earn? Because you get to decide that. Yeah. Yeah. And you get to figure out, you know, okay, so if I want to earn this much and I want to do this many weddings or this many portrait shoots, how much does each one need to cost? Yeah, that's, that's, uh, my gosh, I just made a pricing calculator that does that exact thing for people. Um, but I'll, we'll get to that later. It's not released yet, but anyhow, I'm like right on board with you, girl. Oh my gosh. So, okay. Are you saying then that the thing that most affects your price point is your brand? Yeah. And there are a lot of things wrapped up in your brand, like how you're presenting yourself, um, you know, the, the niche or the target group that you are positioning yourself with, but it is, it's a lot more psychological pricing in general than it is actual math or actual like value for a quantity of things based on the, you know, the makeup of them, the ingredients or the, the quality, because I mean, just because something's a high price doesn't mean it's better. That's what we associate, and mm-hmm. that's incredibly powerful. So automatically, if you raise your price, you're going to be perceived as better, which mm-hmm. is amazing. But yeah, it doesn't. It isn't like you have to work your way up in person. Like I don't deserve to charge this much yet. That is completely irrelevant. Yeah, that that thought that you just gave a, a second here ago, I just was, oh gosh, I was on some Facebook group, I don't know which one, maybe it was Shoot and Share or something, and there was a photographer on there, and she was like, OMG, I'm so mad, uh, some other photographer who costs more than me, you know, one of my clients just went to them. So why on earth would one of my clients go to somebody else who costs more than me? Because and they cost more. I know. Well, here, just wait, just wait, just wait. Because other people started hopping on the on the the comments, right? And the other people were like, "Oh, I bet they gave a deep discount. I bet they just like slashed the prices, you know, down to steal them away from you." And I was like, "Bingo!" Exactly what you just said, Heidi. I was like, I hopped on there and I was like, "Maybe it's because she costs more, <laughs> and her perceived value is much greater." You know, like. Maybe, maybe, just maybe that's why. Um, anyhow. Yeah, discounts get you so <laughs> you It makes you look like the Walmart of photography. I know. Look, my little girl, she just turned one years old, and we're going to be – I'm a photographer, and yet I want to have her pictures taken by someone who actually takes, like – children's photographs. I take pictures of weddings, right? I want to get someone who specializes in photographing like newborns and one-year-olds or, or even just one-year-olds, right? And there is no way in hell that I'm going to hire the cheapest person. <laughs> like I'm actually going to be looking for the most expensive photographer to hire because I, I want the best for my little girl. She's only going to be one once. You know what I mean? Exactly. And that's the thing is like the way we look at our own pricing is different from our own consumer behavior. So actually pay attention when you're looking at something that you're considering purchasing. If you find that the price is really low, usually the first question is, what's wrong with it? 
Yeah. So, okay. I need to go back and I need to rewind for a second because that was so powerful what you said and I don't want to just slide past it. You said the way that we think about our own pricing is often vastly different than the way that we actually behave in the consumer market. Explain that again. Yeah. So we all do the things that we complain about our clients doing. (laughs) You know, we, you know, we compare things and think like that person in the Facebook group, like, oh, well, this one costs more. So surely that means I'm getting a better quality product. Now, that isn't necessarily what it means, but that's how we all think. Mm-hmm. And when, just watch yourself. Take time when you pick up something, even in the grocery store. Why do you choose the branded macaroni as opposed to the store brand macaroni that's $2 cheaper? Mm-hmm. What's going through your head at that point? And actually just paying attention to your own behavior as a consumer can teach you a lot about the psychology behind pricing. Yeah, that's really powerful. Okay, so um, I, I think that, you know, within the photography industry, we, we all know the locations. We all know where to, to look as far as how do we learn about our craft? How do we learn about, um, you know, taking better pictures, um, learn about better lighting, learn about what lenses to buy, all that kind of uh, stuff. But where can we begin to learn more about this? Where can we begin to learn more about becoming the CEOs of our business and investing time and in working on our companies? Do you have any great uh, educational recommendations, whether they be um, websites or books? Like, I would love to hear like a top book to read from you. Um, websites, books, you know, anything like that. Where can our audience begin to go? Oh, I'm really glad you said book because I wasn't even thinking books until you said that. But The E-Myth Revisited, Mm. that book made me admire McDonald's an insane amount because of the way it talks through how that company and how so many companies that are just everywhere and so huge and so profitable, what they've had to do, the evolution they've moved through from being a family business to streamlining things and systematizing things and positioning yourself to be able to work on your business. And maybe that means outsourcing certain business tasks for other people to do for you. That is an excellent book. Yeah, I 100% agree. Uh, it was one of the early ones that I read when we started off, and it made a huge difference for just the way that we approach thinking about our business. And and without it, I think, <laughs> actually, I know we wouldn't be where we are you know, today. Fantastic recommendation, Heidi. Yeah, and it's often those little things like, huh, I never thought about it like that. And then it completely changes how you approach what you do. And realizing, like that book in particular, helped me realize the key to earning more money isn't working more hours. The owners of McDonald's don't work more hours to make more money. For sure. One of the things, too, that I love about um, what I love about the E-Myth, but also other books is when I'm reading it too, so often, you know, it takes, it takes a little bit to get our, I, I guess maybe for back, lack of better words or like a, an analogy, like 
to get started, to get our engines going and to like get up to speed. And so often when I was reading some of these books early on, I was like, man, I really don't know what this means for me and my business, but I guess I'm going to keep reading it because someone who was really successful said I should. But then like <laughs> once I kept, I got going, I like things chapters started to like come back to mind. And I was like, oh yeah, that thing, it's working. This thing, I get it now. I'm going to go back and reread that chapter. And um, I just want to encourage our audience, you know, to, to push through, you know, to, to get into this book and, and to look at some of this stuff. And it might not be super exciting. It might not all just like set off fireworks right off the bat, but it will. Um, and, and just to keep pushing forward. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Sometimes you do have to go back and revisit things, but it only cements it more in your brain. Awesome. So I want to take us then to one of our final steps here of today's podcast. And I have not given this an, an actual uh, name yet for our show, but I would like to start incorporating it every episode, the the action step, the what do we do now? You know, like we've heard all this great, all these, these great ideas and great content from you. Um, but, but what do we do now with it? And so Heidi, one thing that like, as soon as this podcast is over, once you guys, you know, stop listening at home or in the car or wherever you may be, what is the one thing that you're going to do as soon as you get back home, as soon as you get in front of uh, your computer or the office, what, what do you want that one thing for our audience to do today, this week, this hour? So the one thing I would recommend is scheduling that CEO date with yourself in your calendar. Make it a recurring appointment so that you don't have to think about it. And then go through that. That is going to shift how you're changing about your business because you're actually stopping to take the pulse. Awesome. And I love what you said, make it a reoccurring appointment. That way it's there every week. It's not just a once, like a once a year thing, um, but like a weekly thing that you have every single week in your calendar. Fantastic advice. Well, my goodness, Heidi, thank you so much for being a part of the show. I want to ask you, where can our audience find more information about you and Evolve Your Wedding? So you can find me at my main site, which is EvolveYourWeddingBusiness.com. And you can find the podcast there, the blog, everything that I'm putting out there. And hopefully it will help you in shifting your mindset and being able to be the CEO of your photography business. Awesome. We're going to make sure to drop those in the show notes. You have a fantastic and very successful podcast going on. You're up to almost like 70 episodes. If uh, if our audience was going to hop in and jump into your podcast, do you have one specific episode that you think they should start with? Ooh, that, oh, that's a hard question. Maybe episode one. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe it's not. <laughs> um, well, if you, we talked a little bit about pricing. And if you want to dig more into that, uh, the interview I did with Alan Berg, B-E-R-G, would be a great place to look for that. And we talk a lot about, uh, you know, why you should display your price and how you should display it and the mechanics of that. Awesome. Very cool, Heidi. Well, thank you so much for being a part of this. Uh, we appreciate your time and your knowledge. And uh, and I actually need to go and hop on my calendar and uh, start blocking off some, some reoccurring you know, CEO time for myself. So thanks for that really awesome advice. Thank you. Perfect. We'll talk soon, Heidi. 
Thank you so much, Heidi. And thank you so much, everyone, for listening. I just want to pause for a second and just thank you guys for tuning in each week, for, for taking a look at the information that we're, that we're gathering and, and giving to you guys. This show could not take place without, uh, without you guys, without our audience. And so I just wanted to thank you guys, say you rock. And, and it's why we keep doing what we do. It's why we keep finding these amazing, uh, talents to bring you guys to interview and to put out there. And so if you have any people that you would love to hear, that you would love to get on the podcast, shoot us over an email, uh, drop us a line over at sixfigurephotography.com. We would love to bring you guys people who you want to hear. Anyhow, I'd love what Heidi he said about setting off some time, scheduling that CEO time in your calendar, blocking it off to make sure that you do it each week. You guys do that. As soon as you finish watching this episode, go on your calendar and schedule off some time for you guys to, to invest uh, time on your business rather than just being in it all the time. Thank you so much for watching again, you guys. My name is Ben Hartley. This is Six Figure Photography, and we're going to talk very soon.